Hi guys, welcome back as I explore into every chapter of the Harry Potter series, a very daunting task at chapter two of book one entitled The Vanishing Glass. I think that's right. And there goes my pen. Use my weird monkey toes to grab this pen. Guess the vanishing glass. Woohoo! Got one right. For any of you who don't know, I have never read the Harry Potter books before. I have seen all of the movies, but I get heavily chastised anytime I try to talk about Harry Potter because I haven't read the books. So to cope with that, I have started there. I read it. A Harry Potter chapter by chapter review vlog. A Harry Potter chapter by chapter review vlog. Okay, so notes time. Now I notice again, there is a vlog of negative focus on the Dursleys and there's really no regard to what a burden they're really dealing with. I mean, yeah, this is a kid's book written from the perspective of, hey, here's an innocent kid that did nothing to nobody and now here are his aunt, uncle, and cousin that are treating him like dirt. Okay, I, I get that from a kid's point of view. It's very appealing. Shoot, even from a lot of adults' point of view, it's very attractive to be the victim these days. And not to totally defend the Dursleys, because they are definitely not great people. They definitely have plenty of faults that are wide open and easy for pickings. Wait, is that proper grammar? I know slim pickings is a thing, but did I just make up easy pickings? Oh, who cares? But imagine my poor brain trying to figure out British slang. It's not the funnest thing ever. But I don't know. I can't help but look at this from the Dursley's point of view where, okay, just by surprise, here's a baby with a letter. There is no proof that he is who he claims he is. And they're good enough to not only take him in the house but keep him for roughly 10 years at this point point. and yeah they're not treating him great but we also can forget very easily that he's not a child that they wanted and he's also a child that's pretty much against everything they ever wanted. I mean they make a point to say what boring normal people the Dursleys are and how much they treasure that boring normal life and now here's a little wizard baby who if you cut his hair it grows right back overnight which is peculiar. I mean obviously but is the hair length, does that have something to do with when he was love struck whatever it was by his mother. Obviously I haven't read that part yet and I'm just going based off what I remember in the movies but yeah I, I kind of am curious if his hair length has something to do with his mother's love protection spell thing. Assuming that's still the answer they give in the book I really couldn't tell you yet. Oh and by the way no spoilers in the comments please I don't need to know what's the next chapter ahead or what's happening in another like don't, don't do that. Enjoy the chapter that I'm in with me. Don't, don't be rude. But what was I saying? This is what happens when I don't have a script and I just have some notes. Uh, yeah, a lot of negativity on the Dursleys without any regard to their burden of taking on a child that they were not looking to have. Yeah, they're not great to him. Uh, Dudley especially. He's a puncher. <laughs> I know we've all had that relative who they're a puncher and their parents won't call him on it. And I, I wonder if Dudley's issues are because he's never told no or because he's just so big that you can't really tell him no. Because I know with my son who is now four with autism, he wears like a size 10 clothing. So he is a big behemoth and if he doesn't want to do something, it's not going to happen. He will rip doors off the hinges he does not care. And so I don't know if that is really Dudley's issue for his sort of predisposition towards violence or if he's just particularly angry with Harry because it, it's basically like hey here's this red-headed stepchild kind of stereotype we don't want you here and you're here and it's got to be weird to have this 
sort of quasi-sibling that even your parents don't like and don't want there because it's gotta send a weird message to you about who this person is and how he should be treated based on how your parents react. Ah, but in this chapter it is Dudley's birthday and he has 37 gifts which apparently upsets him. One gift is from Aunt Marge who I guess needs to step up her game because one is awfully scrawny compared to the other 38. And Mama promises to get Dudley two more gifts while they're out today because yeah, why not? Why not? But if I may rant, why does it really matter how much the Dursleys buy their one and only son for his birthday? I know comparatively it looks like they're way over giving to Dudley compared to the nothing that they give to Harry and they have him living under the little, I, they say cupboard under the stairs, but judging from the movie it's like the little closet. Because here in America a cupboard is like what you put the bread and chips in. It's, it's like a little tiny thing. But really, what does it matter and who is it bothering if they spoil their child? And sure, Dudley's a brat. He does need boundaries. He obviously has some behavioral issues that are being encouraged by his parents that shouldn't be. But at the end of the day, they're the ones that are going to have to deal with the monster they create. But I don't know, it seems like maybe the author was having some severe jealousy issues over these parents who can afford to buy their children whatever they want. And it's not to say that we need a world full of Dudleys, but it's just like, why why is there so much fixation? Why does it matter so much if a kid's birthday party is over the top or not? That's really become such a normal standard. It's just weird to see it shed in such a negative light. Oh, I have a quote this time that I thought was interesting. Strange things often happen around Harry and it was no good telling the Dursleys he didn't make them happen. And then the examples I wrote down were that they nearly shaved his head and the hair grew back overnight. An ugly sweater that Harry didn't want to wear kept shrinking every time they they tried to force it over his head until it was like hand puppet size. And at one point, Harry tried to jump behind some trash cans near the kitchen and ended up teleporting himself to the rooftop, which is curious, definitely all curious things. But again, looking at this from the Dursleys' perspective and how much they value being these normal people who never asked for or wanted a magical child but kept one anyways, I mean, wouldn't things like that really unsettle you and put you on edge? And I, I know, if we're all thinking about the wizarding world existing and we're aware of it, then maybe that's a different situation. But again, these are the plainest people in existence and you're like, magical events, paranormal activity, and you're expecting them to know what to do with that in any kind of healthy way. Of course they're not gonna know. You know, you would think that when Dumbledore left Harry there, he'd give them some kind of wizard empathy training or, you know, something. But no, his one and only goal seemed to be how much can I torture this baby until he's old enough to come to Hogwarts. Jeez Louise. Oh, and since it's Dudley's birthday, they're supposed to go out to the zoo while the Dursleys and Dudley's friend Pierce are. Harry's supposed to go to Mrs. Figs, but she broke her leg, so now he has to go, and that's apparently a whole to-do. And again, I'm not saying that that side of the Dursleys is, you know, good or right in any stretch of the imagination. It's awful to treat a little kid who did nothing to you that way, and especially to hide all the stuff that they have from him. Um, like they said, his parents died in a car crash and they don't have any pictures of them so he has no idea what his parents even look like. He just has this memory of a green flashing light. But yes, while that's inexcusable to treat him that way, I can see where they're coming from and why it would freak him out when, you know, you've got a kid whose hair grows overnight like that. It's like those Barbie dolls that they used to have like back in my day. Like she'd have one stiff arm and you could crank it and her hair would go slowly retracting into her scalp and then you just grab the ponytail and yank it back 
back out as far as you wanted. And yeah, that's fun for a kid with a doll, but for a human with a little human, that has got to be horrifying. And these three things are just examples that Harry remembers. There's no telling how many weird things he did as a baby that have just totally freaked them out and put them on edge. But they go into the zoo, they get into the snake house, Harry accidentally makes the glass disappear and seems to talk with the snake. And when Dudley's friend Pierce brings that up, it's sort of like, oh, there's the air that Harry's about to get in trouble over it. And of course, reading this from Harry's perspective, he has no idea what's going on. He has no idea why he's in trouble and why his aunt and uncle are mad at him, but they do. Like, this is not a new event. They know what, gosh, Lily, that's their, that's their sister's name. Petunia knows what Lily's all about. She knew what James was all about. She had a good idea of what Harry was going to be about. And with all the weird things they've seen, I mean, I, I can understand it. I don't condone it, but I understand where they're coming from. But it's also odd to me that the last bit of the chapter says that there are strangers that are always recognizing Harry and, you know, like bowing to him or shaking his hand or, you know, waving to him on the bus, this or that, and that it frazzles the aunt and makes her nervous. But Harry has no idea who they are. And you would think that the magical folk would either know to stay away or they wouldn't know what he looks like now. It's just odd that everybody in the magical world seems to know exactly what Harry looks like and where he is, yet they're doing nothing about his situation. So are they all completely ignorant or are they all just so self-absorbed that they don't care? And I think that is a question that I would like to leave with you guys this week and maybe we could have a little fun discussion in the comments. So what do you think? Is Dumbledore and McGarnagle and Hagrid, which I think are the only three people who really know what happened to Harry, are they all just keeping the wizarding world stupefied, not understanding what is happening and how he's being raised and treated? Or do you think that they just don't care enough to get involved? I am really curious and I'm hoping it will be explained in a later book or chapter. Since they mentioned Sirius Black in the very first chapter and he was Harry's godfather according to the movies, why wasn't he the one to take on Harry? And I know Dumbledore had this thing where he didn't want him to get a big head or whatever growing up, but still, I mean... I'm a parent. I choose a godparent. I expect that to be carried out in the event of my death, not for somebody who isn't even related to me to go, no, 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 no. I know better than you. But my dears, I guess that is this week's chapter analysis. Again, that was Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone chapter two. I'm not really positive yet, but I am thinking about opening this up maybe by the second book and having like a guest vlogger with me every time to kind of chat about the chapters and maybe give me a different perspective or you know right now it's just me volleying answers out with nobody on the other side until it's published and then maybe somebody comes through and answers a question or spoils everything no really like don't leave spoilers but if you do it's really not the end of the world these books are how old even? That's a good question. I feel like they're from, oh, 1997. I thought these were from the late 80s or early 90s, but a little bit newer than I uh, realized. That's cool. Um, bum, 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 bum. This is why I like to use scripts and not go freestyle. Yeah, I think it might be interesting to eventually bring in like a co-host, a uh, different one for every chapter like MC does for That's What I'm Talking About. I went on her podcast for one of the Two Towers chapters and that was fun. 
uh, definitely interesting and, you know, neat to kind of get the different perspectives going. But yeah, I feel like this book is going to be so cut and dry that it's going to be a little pointless to do that. But I know it gets a lot more complicated as it goes. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see how that works out. But uh, yeah, I'm actually going to really wrap it up this time. And thank you guys for watching and we'll see you with the next chapter soonish.